All right. All those kindergarten through fifth grade, if you guys make your way up here for your class downstairs, and for those who are three, four, and five-year-olds, you guys can make your way to the back where you can, hi, Logan, what's that? What, what, what's open? Oh, we should only open that when people are baptized. Well, we got any volunteers for baptism this morning? The curtain is open. You're ready, Logan? <laughs> oh, man, I'm excited about that, buddy. I'm excited about that. Very good. All right. That was fun, Logan. <laughs> All right. I got you, buddy. No, I want you to. That, that sounds like a good idea. Anyway, we'll talk to mom and dad on that one for sure. Make sure they're in. Yeah, all right. Thanks, mom and dad. Logan's a lot of fun. <laughs> all right. Hey, I hope you had a, a really good Thanksgiving. And uh, man, uh, just we, we enjoyed our time. We had family from from Thursday and still have family with us this morning. So we, we really enjoyed. And I was just so thankful we were on the road yesterday. But I talked to several of you. Some of you were traveling in this. I appreciate Eric. Eric said they were coming back in this. And I'm so glad that Eric is back because I don't know how to play guitar and I cannot do what he does. So Brian could have covered that bass, I'm sure. But anyway, I'm so glad that we had the opportunity to be here this morning and, and worship. Uh, undoubtedly, some folks don't feel real comfortable out on this. So those that are joining us online, I'm glad you're joining us here. We're going to pick up where we left off in the scriptures from last time we were together. That was Acts chapter 16. If you want to open your Bibles and, and be ready to go through it. Uh, actually, a lot to, to read, about 15 verses. Uh, but there is so much content uh, here. It was... It was you know, something that, that in preparation just read through it and read through it and read through it, uh, kind of did some, you know, answered my questions. And, and uh, uh, I'd like to, to show you some things this morning that, that impressed upon me. And, and let me just say it this way, just to present it to you. And, and what we're going to recognize as we read this is the power of the gospel. The power of the gospel. Just think about that as, as I read through the, the verses, we're going to go through 16 uh, through verse 34 together and, and just read it and then have some conversation about it. Conversation. I mean, I'm just going to talk to you about it. You're not going to be able to speak back. Anyway, here we go. Uh, and, and as I begin, it, it, it says, as we were going. Okay, just want to remind you who's, who's in part so we know who's, who to identify. Paul and Silas are actually identified in the stories to come, but also Timothy. Don't forget, Timothy is that uh, mentor of Paul's who has joined him. And, and also Luke, when he says we, uh, Luke is the one writing this out, this account out. And so uh, he's observing, he is, he is writing the story that we have and we're able to read. So those are the four men specifically we could identify uh, as, as those part of the story. Verse 16, and we were going to the place of prayer. We were, no, excuse me, as we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us 
crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And, the, and this she kept on doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews, and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore their garments off, off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them in, into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to him. And suddenly, there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he, threw, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for the lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his household. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wound, wounds. And he was baptized as, at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. Did you catch the moments where the power of the gospel was, was at work or being revealed in this passage? We might even include last week's, the previous five verses, uh, starting verse 11 uh, through 15. It was the story of Lydia, her conversion along with her whole household. That's, that's part of this. Uh, then, then we see the, the slave girl, slave girl who is delivered from a demon uh, through the power or, or through, just through the name of Jesus Christ. Paul and Silas were freed from their bonds, but the real power is revealed when the jailer himself converts uh, along with his entire family. Uh, there, there's just some things we cannot deny about this power that God exhibits, uh, not, not just shaking prisons, but especially through that gospel message of Jesus. And, and I want you to see, uh, matter of fact, the, the verse that came to mind, Paul had written to the Corinthians. Uh, sec the second letter to the Corinthians, uh, chapter 10, verses 3 and 4. In this, in this uh, verse, 
Paul is actually addressing opposition. There's opposition, always opposition, right? But here's how Paul addressed them specifically, talking about the power we have over those who are opposing or for the difficulties that they face. He says, for, for though we walk in, in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. We're not using muscle against those who oppose us. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. To destroy strongholds. And that's, that's the, the phrase that came to mind, that, that came from Paul, that as I read through this, I just, I just can't help but think about the power of the gospel being spread by Paul and his team. And, and that, that goes through, through much of the book of Acts. I realize that. But today we're going to focus on this, this power of the gospel. And especially the power of the gospel that, to destroy strongholds. Uh, what we see here, you know, there, there's, of course, the power of God that shakes prisons again. That, that's not my focus. Uh, when I think about the strongholds that, that, that uh, through the gospel... Uh, things are, are taken down. What, what strongholds are we talking about? Uh, we are talking about the resistance of, of man's hearts and minds, the resistance against the gospel. It, it's all around us. And, and I, I, I want us to understand that that's one of the greatest strongholds that, that exists today is the, is the cold and hard hearts of humanity uh, that, that has the opportunity to be softened through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here, here are the strongholds I want us to look at. I'm gonna, like I said, I'm going to go back to what we, I preached last week. It was Lydia. And just a quick review was Lydia uh, was in that city of Philippi. No synagogue there. Not a lot of Jews in that area, obviously. So Lydia found herself with other ladies out by a river. And they were, they were out there praying. It was a place of prayer. There's no place of prayer inside of Philippi. So they were out by a river. And that's where Paul found them. Now, Lydia, to this point, was, was someone to be described as someone who feared God, uh, who, who was respecting. And, and the only thing she knew of God is from the, the nation of Israel or from the Israelites or from the Old Testament. We don't know whether she was a proselyte, you know, one who's converted into Judaism, or, or whether she was just that God-fearer who, who was respecting and maybe following some of the, the guidelines of the Old Testament. Uh, therefore, she, I mean, that's one of the reasons she was out there on the Sabbath uh, in a place of prayer. But we could also imagine that, that in, in the scriptures that she was also maybe pursuing the things of, of, of diet, you know, the things that we got to be careful of, the things we don't want to be eating, things that are unclean, or, or even uh, observing the, the laws of, of uh, uh, <laughs> you're always there for me, buddy. Thank you. You could tell, huh? Oh, you're helping Linda. Well, I thought you were out there for me. Okay, sorry. <laughs> That's it. She knew. She could tell. I'm losing it. Anyway, uh, so, so she was observing things of cleanliness. We can could, we could imagine all those things and, and pursuing. And now, the Jews weren't able to follow the law, right? They continued to find themselves turning their back against God, rebelling against God, and through the law being able to identify that relationship with God. And, and so when Paul came along, he introduced her to Jesus. 
uh, not just her, but those who are, are gathered with her and, and introduced in Jesus. The significance of Jesus and his coming, that, that fulfillment of the prophets uh, in, in the Old Testament, is that Jesus came and he fulfilled the law through his death. The law itself is not bad, but what it brought about was condemnation. It, it was able to identify the sin that was working in, in all the Jews. And, and now that it's being introduced to all the Gentiles, what does it do but brings condemnation of sinfulness to them? In, in the message, there was freedom. Because what Paul said is, through Jesus, his death and resurrection, that's where you receive forgiveness. It's not through all the working and attempting to do all the things that are right before God that we find ourselves failing. So in itself, that is a stronghold that she had to let go of. It's not going to be through the law you're going to be able to accomplish this, but what you're, where you're going to be able to find that relationship with God is through Jesus. Hey, that's the message we've received, Right? That's the message we've received in Christ. We have found freedom in Jesus, not in, in our works or not in the things we're trying to accomplish on God's behalf for the sake of our salvation. That is, is, that's a stronghold. That is something that we cannot accomplish. Jesus has done it for us. The second stronghold I think is important for us to see this, this morning is this. It is the stronghold of evil that actually begins in the text we read today. Excuse me. Thank you, Linda. Anyway, the second stronghold, the stronghold of evil. Uh, Paul encounters a slave girl under the control of a demon. We see that walking through the streets of Philippi, actually walking back to that place of prayer, and, and they encounter her not once, but several days. And she keeps repeating the same thing. You know, these men are servants of the Most High God uh, who proclaim to you the way of salvation. It's truth. But Paul is annoyed, uh, possibly a hindrance to, to what they're doing and trying to speak. Uh, Let's, let's try to get a, a, an idea of, of this, what's going on. Now, in this age, uh, you know, gods and temples and all, this th all these things happening in Gentile cities. Uh, a lot of occult things are going on. Uh, probably the best recognition of maybe what's going on with this slave girl who is demon-possessed is something called the Oracle of Delphi. Uh, the Oracle of Delphi. Well, matter of fact, this picture was in Encyclopedia Britannica. It goes into details. Very historical. Delphi. Delphi is a city. It, it, it's going to be west. No, no, excuse me. East of Rome and from Philippi. It, it, it's actually west of Philippi. And, and from Corinth and Athens, it, it's north. So kind of like the centrally located amongst all those cities I just named. And in Delphi was this temple uh, to, to the god uh, Apollo. And, and this oracle, this, this woman, who is also known as a Pythia. This is, this is the connection between the two. She was also identified as a Pythia. And, and when we go to the text and it says that she had a spirit of divination, we could also say she had a spirit of Pythia. The Greek word is actually says Pythia or Python. 
uh, which, which I read in some place. They said that this great serpent was killed by Apollo and, and represents that, this snake, this python. Anyway, she was used. There, there is, there is a, a, an oracle in, in Delphi that was there in the temple. She would sit upon a three-legged stool, and, and there she would, she would uh, give what, what it said here, uh, give fortune-telling or, or tell the future. And, and it's because she was able to channel the god Apollo. Now, in, in some of the recording, um, just to let you know how she was doing it, there's thoughts, you know, kind of the speculations that she was under the, the influence of hallucinogens, whether gases or, or chewing on leaves or something like that. And, and she herself would not speak coherently. It was gibberish. It was, uh, she, would, she would go into rants and things like that. And then those around her would then interpret and, and people from, you know, officials, government officials from Rome and all over would come and, and listen to, to what she had to, to say concerning upcoming wars, outcomes of wars, or political movements, or, or whatever's happening. So she was, she was a, a, a big draw to the city Delphi. Now there's, there's other of these, these girls around. Uh, this girl is said to be a young slave girl. Uh, the possibility is someday she might step into that place, be elected to take that place of, of the oracle. But in, at, at the time, here, here she, she's being basically pimped out by her slave owners in order to tell fortunes. And they were making good money off of her. We don't know exactly how that was being done. She was very coherent when she walked behind Paul and Silas and, and would announce to people that demon recognized her. And, and when Paul became so annoyed, he, he basically, through Jesus' name, delivered that demon out of her. It rescued her from that demon. And, and which, to us, good thing, right? Again, it is in the name of Jesus, who is absolute authority over the demonic. Jesus has absolutely, we, we saw that in Luke chapter 8 would be a place, if you want to look later, Luke chapter 8, 27 through 33, uh, remember a, a man who was filled with demons. As a matter of fact, legion is what they were called because there were many in, inhabiting this one man. And, and so uh, when Jesus confronted him, he said, hey, you know, he, he, I knew exactly who he was and he requested to be cast into a herd of pigs. And they were all, they all ran off a cliff and into water and they all drowned. But Jesus has power over the, over the demonic. So <laughs> Paul was able to simply say, in the name of Jesus Christ, come out. And they obeyed. They, they left her. Is there unseen, you know, is there this unseen realm of evil and good working in the world today? We, we don't see it. We don't recognize it unless you're watching movies, right? Uh, the truth is absolutely. Uh, it, it's, it's hard or, or very difficult to walk through the Bible and, and say, well, there's no such thing as angels or, or there's no such thing as demons, especially in that time of Jesus, how he confronted and cast out more demons than just this one story. It, it happens numerous times. Uh, why don't we see them today? 
why don't we see them today? Well, good possibility is they don't want to be recognized. Demons don't want to be recognized. And, and, and I do wonder, because of our uh, possible mental health situation in, in, in the world around us, evil is definitely working, Right? sinfulness we would say sinfulness is definitely working are there evil uh evil forces working on people's hearts and minds i do believe so uh most recent shooting took place in maine correct robert robert card a uh, very tragic I, I think i'm not sure what the total number at one time i heard killed 17 people in a mass shooting the real story came from everything that preceded that the man knew he was having trouble he he came and said i'm hearing voices i'm hearing voices they hospitalized him for a couple weeks called him cured left and and uh, the voices were telling him to kill his fellow soldiers or people around him and and he carried it out uh, in in our world we're going to figure it out it's it's something to do with mental health we're going to drug it we're going to take care of it in in many ways i i do wonder what would happen if we were to act upon the name of Jesus Christ in many cases? Jesus has power over the demonic. I, I don't think we do. The only way we do is like Paul to, to, to act on his behalf, right? So it, there's no reason for us to fear the demonic in this world. Jesus has defeated the God of this world. He is absolutely, Hebrews 2, 14 and 15 says, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself, speaking of Jesus, Jesus himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, an evil force, right? And deliver all those who through fear and death were subject to lifelong slavery. Why did Jesus come? Well, to save us from our sinfulness, to, to, to save us from the evil and the ugliness in this world, and those who, who are, are, are there supporting and working for the forces of evil. We are able to overcome. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he'll do what? You resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That, that's... Those of us in Christ, there is no reason to fear, uh, you know, the demonic or, or the, the forces that we can't see working in this world. Too many times, too often times I've heard people, even, you know, Jesus believing people speak about how fearful. I've had calls here. Maybe it's just, boy, here's a church. I'm going to call them. Would you come exercise this demon out of my house? You know, wanted me to come and pray and, and you know, and, and the things like that. And I've had instances of that there are people who are just afraid of things like this uh, especially first john 4 4 reminds us uh, there there john says little children you are from god and have overcome them uh, for he is for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world did you hear that when it speaks of he who is in you who is in you who is within you oh we think about the holy spirit we think about that name of Christ, his existence, his indwelling is here. And, and the one who indwells you through that Holy Spirit is greater than the one who's in this world. Jesus is greater than the one that's in this world. There is no reason for us to fear 
anything from him. Uh, Paul obviously did not. And, and, and some of us today would think, well, this is a stronghold of evil in this world. Absolutely. Absolutely a stronghold. But Jesus came to conquer that stronghold. Uh, evil does not win. The great conclusion of Revelation, God wins. I hate to give you the ending. Maybe you wanted to read the book first. The great conclusion of Revelation is God wins. Over, over all the ugliness you see in Revelation, all the, the, the dragons and beasts and, and all those things that, that are going to happen. Yeah, I mean, and, and what's the message overall in the book? Is, is to stay faithful. Why? Because overall that God wins. Right? God wins. There's a final stronghold that uh, I, I want to walk through this morning. It, it's the stronghold of of human arrogance, stronghold of human arrogance. Oh, what happens after after the slave girl has the deem the you know is no longer possessed? Well, the the money makers, the 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 guys who owned the slave girl, lost their income, and they were a little angry about it. The the future is not going to be real bright because. Hey, she was one of our main money makers, the, the fortune telling and things people were paying for. Now that's gone. Uh, the truth is, the gospel has potential to hurt a lot of businesses in this world. You know, uh, the, the, the gospel really does have a lot of potential of hurting businesses. Let's think about abortion. Abortion makes uh, billions of dollars uh, for, for lots of people. Uh, abortion is is a money maker. We don't we you know we want to call it a choice, but really it is making money for a lot of folks. Sexual exploitation, uh, things of pornography, prostitution, uh, and 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 you know how numerous uh, avenues where that have been created uh, that that makes a lot of money. And and if if hearts were turned to righteousness through Christ. Uh, that industry could fall. Uh, even the gender confusion that's right now, man, the money made through, uh, through the medical field, through, through uh, uh, drugs and, and you know, even, even potential uh, surgeries and things, there's a lot of money to be made. You find an avenue, we're going to find ways of making money out of it, e even if that direction is evil, even if it's contrary to God's will. You know, there's ways of making money off those things. Definitely, in this story, uh, Paul ruined the, their money-making abilities through this, this, this woman. What happened was they went to uh, the leadership of the city, and they accused him uh, of just causing conflict. These Jewish men are, are turning, you know, or causing a, a thing of... of, of a disturbance within the city. So they were taken at their word and, and they were beaten, ordered to be beaten, and then locked up in prison. When I say locked up in prison, they were, they were put in, in, in uh, stocks. Their ankles were put in stocks where they couldn't lay down, they couldn't get comfortable, anything like that. So what did they do at midnight that night but uh, just begin singing praises before God? Isn't that, isn't that a great picture? Here's, here's men who, who are freed from their sinfulness, who are out declaring the gospel in freedom, and, and now 
even in the midst of the, the abuse that they're facing, they end up just singing praises. And it, and it affects all the prisoners that are within the, the prison. They had their opportunity to influence them. I'm sure that they were miserable as well until these guys break off and, into some kind of joyful singing, and, and which had to have an effect upon them because what we see next is it says that the foundations of the jail, the prison, were, were shaken. It had to be miraculous. The reason why we think that is, let's see, the, the jail was shaken so much that the doors came open and the stocks were broken off, but the walls didn't come down on their heads. <laughs> That was, that's pretty miraculous. And, and so what happens that, that uh, as they're all sitting there, somehow Paul kept all the prisoners calm and, and no one jetted out the door. When the, when the jailer uh, had, had realized what had happened, he ran to the jail, saw the doors all open, feared that everybody had escaped, was about to take the sword, sword and, and, and kill himself because he knew that execution was coming. Because that was his responsibility. And Paul had the opportunity to say, hey, wait a minute. We're all here. Uh, Don't harm yourself. And so what was the response of the jailer? See, the the real wall that that is broken down in here is not the jail that was shaken again. I'll mention that. It's the fact of what happened to the jailer. I I don't know where the jailer received his message. It might have been the slave girl who was going through, hey, listen to these men. These men are from the the, the most high God, and and they have a message of salvation. And so his response to them was, uh, what do I need to do to be saved? What do I need to do to be saved? And, And so Paul's response to that was, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. It does say that as he was cleaned up and brought into the house, that he had the opportunity to take that message of Christ to the whole household, and their response was baptism. Their response to receive Christ and were baptized in him. I, throughout all this, I just the, the idea of this simple message of Christ coming into this world, his death and his resurrection, his release from, from that imprisonment of sinfulness, our own brokenness, our own condemnation, is, is the, the message that I hear here uh, throughout this. Hopefully you've seen that as well. Here's, here's where it, really, it, it, it hit home. Here's where it was personal. And this has happened all my life. I've been a believer uh, since my teen years. But it, this has happened in my, in my life over and over and over again because we're a constant work, right? As it, I, I know I'm your preacher, but I'm going to just give you my own testimony. Here a few weeks ago, um, I was offended uh, by some statements, and I felt, and I was angry about it. I was, and I felt justified by my anger, you know, being feeling like I'm, I'm justified. I'm right. This, this sh- these things should not have been said. Anyway, uh, in, in a few days later, you know, wasn't thinking about it, wasn't worried about it. Uh, it, was, it was done. It was in the past. But it was, it was, it was uh, like a week or two after that, that that something triggered that anger again. And it was, it was a rage that worked in me. And, and it, it caught my attention, caught Linda's attention too. <laughs> and it just, it just burned in me. And it, that troubled me that it was still there. And so, again, I went back to praying. I had prayed about this before. I went back to praying over this issue. 
And actually, a few days later, early in the morning, I was walking between my house and coming over to the church. And right as I was walking in the parking lot, uh, a, a verse that I've known for a long time came to my mind. A simple verse out of James that said, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Anger. Slow to become angry. Because anger doesn't bring about that righteousness of God, right? Simple verse. And one, one I obviously forgot, but it popped into my mind, and immediately, immediately, that was an answer to prayer. Lord, you know, help me to overcome this, this whatever's burning in me. Uh, it was, uh, you know, I, I came into the church and I repented of my self-righteousness. I repented of my self-righteousness. I, in, in, in allowing that anger to work in me, uh, did not have the representation of the Holy Spirit of patience and self-control. But uh, can I tell you, that, that, oh man, that's a humiliating thing to, to share with you all. But I got to tell you, I was thrilled. <laughs> I don't know how many times that's happened in my life. I've been along, uh, around this world a long time. But God continues to work on me. He continues, catches me and says, ah, you forgot to listen to this. And, and that burden, that burning, uh, that, that anger was gone. Because I, it, it was from my own doing. I was blaming someone else or something else. That caused me to, to have such a, a rage. Have you been there? Have you been there? And then realizing that the scripture, absolutely through the Holy Spirit, bringing up scripture into my mind and saying, you were quick to, you were quick to becoming angry. And you allowed that to drive you. And so, uh, man, I, I don't know where you are. I read through this passage and I see amazing things happening that to people like Lydia and her household, uh, the Philippian jailer, uh, man, to Paul and Silas who had the opportunity to do it, uh, the girl who was possessed by a demon in each case, man, it, it, it had no, no power to stand up against the power of the gospel and no power to stand uh, against the power of the name of Jesus. You know, that's working in us all the time. Isn't it? That's working within us. And, and may there be no uh, walls that are being built up within us, but may they continue to be taken down because we belong to him, right? He continues to work upon us in those moments when we find out, man, there's something working in my heart, in my life. Lord, please show me, show me what that is. And that's what God has done for me. Uh, we're going to take communion this morning. Uh, we're going to pray. Uh, so if you have your cups with you, there is no better reason for us to celebrate Jesus than to know that he has conquered. He's conquered sin and, and, and ugliness throughout the world, but the greatest place that he's conquered is within our hearts, within our lives. He's opened us up to having a right relationship with God. That amazes me. Uh, that, that passage in Hebrews that says, we can approach that throne of grace with confidence. I'm sorry, my, my mind is, I'm down on my knees, I'm covering my face as I think about approaching such a holy throne. But in Jesus, in Jesus Christ, we're able to approach the throne with confidence. That's what we're celebrating as we think about Jesus and, and the communion we're about to partake. Take the bread.
And that bread represents the body of Jesus that was broken upon the cross. Let's partake. And then that juice represents the blood of Christ that was shed so willingly on our behalf that cleanses us from all our filth and shame. We've received that forgiveness. Let's partake. Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you for Jesus. We praise you for the precious blood that so willingly he uh, was hung to the cross and, and that flowed on behalf of each one of us. Father, our response is to love you and to seek to serve you. And Father, we praise you for the place that he has brought us to to be called your children and your people of your kingdom. And we love you, Father, for that. It's in Jesus' name.